Coming up on this episode of Don't Panic, it's all about Apple. That's right, we're covering a non-stop episode of the WWDC 2014 keynote announcement. We've got all the latest from Mac, OS X, Yosemite, iOS 8, all the new developer tools, including Swift. It is a non-stop episode with every feature you need to know about. Get up to speed on Apple. Watch this episode of Don't Panic. It's coming up next. Stay with us. This is Don't Panic, episode number 49, recorded June 2nd, 2014, on Yosemite, iOS 8, and an awesome announcement. Hello and welcome to tonight's edition of Don't Panic, uh, the technology podcast that eats the fruit that is Apple. Uh, I'm Sean Jennings and I'm joined by the sunny and share of technology. That would, of course, be uh, Colby Miller and Dan Rabadou. Guys, <laughs> you know what I meant. No, that was completely accidental. I, I, cause I, it was weird. I had to look over on the Skype and like read your names. I don't know what happened. Um, oh, you don't know our names? Colby and Dan, we'll leave it at that. Very informal. How are you guys doing today? Excellent. Uh, good. Good. It was an exciting day. It I was. I'm working outside, which was delightful. <laughs> uh, when the weather's nice, how can you not be happy? And you know, I, we also want to take this opportunity to celebrate. And you guys may not know this, but uh, did you know that this is roughly our one-year anniversary of doing Whoa. Don't Panic? And I call it roughly because date-wise, I'm not sure, but I know on our fir- very first episode we covered WWDC last year and iOS seven. So I figure that's as close to a year as we're going to get. I remember yeah. that because I had just downloaded that thing on my phone. Because um, I, I had that, that that Apple developer account at the time. I wonder I wonder if I canceled that or if it auto-renewed on my credit card. <laughs> <laughs> Now's the time to find out. Yeah. Interesting. Was, now, you got the iOS one, though, right? Not the Mac one? Yeah, I had the iOS one. Nice. Well, you could get iOS 8 right now. That's right. If you're into- I'm gonna log in and find out. <laughs> well, if you had a, and oh, you can put it on your iPad. Wait, is your iPad, iPad right like, now? I still no, have my iPhone. I don't use oh, okay. it. I still have it. So 4s your iPhone? Yeah. Okay, then you you're good. I don't know if your iPad could run iOS 8 though. What? Because I think it's yeah. is it iPad 2 or newer? I- I have an iPad, too. Then you might be okay. I know that's the line. I know ones definitely don't. Yeah. Um, It's probably terrible. Well, while you're looking up to see if you have that, I want to thank everyone out there, not only for joining us for the past year. It's been a lot of fun uh, presenting the news to you, the listener. Uh, I also want to thank everybody who joined us this afternoon. We did our first ever live event coverage for Don't Panic. Uh, We streamed for two hours and 19 minutes uh, from the complete start to finish of the announcement with live play-by-play commentary, including uh, Colby and Dan, but I also want to thank Travis, Kaylee, and Colin for joining us. Uh, it was an excellent event, and keep an eye on our RSS feed and our website. The video and audio from that will be going up shortly. Um, so I think we're all in agreement. Uh, it was a pretty great announcement. Yeah, I enjoyed the crap out of it. I think that's fair to say. And it is funny. I recommend everyone go back and watch our first episode when we talked about how disappointed we were yeah. in last year's WWDC and how boring it was. <laughs> but they did do the Mac Pro at last year's WWDC, right? They teased it, yeah. 
But, like, like the, pro- the problem with the Mac Pro is, like, it's cool to know about. And, yeah, there are those, like, ten people in the world who, like, actually have a Mac Pro and want a new one. But that wasn't something we- that was ever going to impact our lives. Yeah. I don't know. It was more theoretical than anything else. Unless Dan has bought a Mac Pro and hasn't told us. <laughs> you don't see what's to the right of my screen. <laughs> Uh-oh. Oh. Yeah, Colby hasn't been in my place since December, and you couldn't even buy a Mac Pro then. Mm. <laughs> that's true. God, that's such a long time. That's six whole months. <laughs> yes, we're also at that point, the halfway point in the year itself. That's weird. That is correct. Um, so if it's okay with you guys, why don't we get right into the announcement? I sort of see it grouped in three areas, and I'm going to let you guys decide where we start. There's the consumer side of Mac OS X Yosemite, the consumer side of iOS 8, and developers. Where do you guys want to start? And I think I know where this is going, but I'm going to let you guys decide. Um, well, we could do it in order. Okay. Why not do that? I feel like that, that's the, the that's right a, idea. Yeah. Excellent we'll start idea. start with uh, Yosemite. Mac, right? Yeah. Yes. Yosemite. Yosemite Sam. <laughs> Uh, OS 10 Yosemite was announced. Uh, that is 10.10 for those of you interested in those kind of things. Um, what we got out of that was, uh, for starters, of course, the new look. This was what everyone was absolutely expecting out of 10.10. Create that flat design, the translucent panels, the lack of gradients and textures. Very familiar if you're a user of uh, iOS 7 currently. Uh, giving a real total visual overhaul from the icons to the windows to the toolbars and taskbars. Even the font is new uh, in the design. Um, and you guys can stop me at any point. Well, the font's the same as the iOS. Right. Font. from the old Mac yeah. font, but yes, it is more unified. Correct. Which I think is interesting because if I remember correctly, a lot of people had a problem with how thin it was uh, when iOS 7 first launched. I know they beefed it up a little they, bit. Yeah, I think they was did. It, yeah, that was, the, that was the first or second beta that was, like, super thin and you couldn't see it at all. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, did you see they, they... I'm looking at this right now. They changed the, the little green icon. Like, well, for one thing, the icons have things in them instead of just being red. Oh, I guess they always had things in them. But you had to but hover. Just, yeah. But they changed the green one. The green one has, like, expandy arrows. No, I, I didn't notice that. I did notice that they had new icons. If, if you go to the OSX slash preview slash design on Apple.com, and it, it's the, the second, well, third section, I guess. There's, like, a zoom in on the little buttons. Oh, so by default, they're still just red, yellow, green, but when you hover, yeah. Or maybe not when you hover. Maybe they're just... No, 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 because if you scroll up, they're not, they don't have the the icons on any of the other ones. You're correct. That's crazy. That's That's kind of a weird thing to highlight. Yeah, well, you know, and I think Apple is very detail focused. That's true. Um, they, of any company, I think they would be the one to, to really highlight that. Um, and I definitely recommend people check out the Apple page. They do a good job, obviously. Uh, no surprise there. Going into the details of this new look. Um, I mean, I have to say, it is, I think it's, you know, I was a big naysayer for iOS 7, but I think this Mac update, it's very, um, 
clean and elegant without going too far. I don't know if you guys have any immediate thoughts yeah. on, on just the design aspect. It's kind of what I thought. Uh, someone, I forget who or where, but someone said it uh, It looks like, I think they might even be saying it uh, in like a derogatory manner, but they said it looks like uh, a fake operating system in a movie. Mm -hmm. But I think it looks like a fake operating system in a movie that's actually well done. You know, like sometimes you see the operating systems in the movies and you're like, okay, that's stupid. Why 15 years in the future is that what computers look like? But then there's a couple where you're like, oh man, it looks so cool. Why don't our computers look cool like this? And I think this leans more towards the cool than the lame. Yeah, and I think one thing is that when iOS 7 first came out, a lot of people said you went too simple too flat and they had to make a bunch of tweaks to things like app icons and the font we talked about um i think this is the perfect balance to me between simple but not taking away functionality which is a very fine line mm -hmm. yeah the yeah. icons don't look as flat either they have gradients you know yeah i mean because you, you look at like the messaging one and the the finder there They're is such a thing as too flat. Than iOS 7, I think. Colby, you, you have good eyes. Yeah, no, no, you're definitely right. Like, if you look, particularly the calendar one is very, is pretty not flat. And oh, so yeah, is the context. Yep. Um, but yeah, like, a lot of them have, like, yes, they're, like, certainly flatter than, uh, than the current the current ones. Yeah, like I, I said, it's a good balance. Yeah, um, I I like it because it doesn't seem like I don't know. I was worried that they were gonna go over like it was gonna be like changes to how it worked too, in addition mm -hmm. to what it looked like, and I like the way it works. Maybe that's closed-minded, but I like yeah. that it's just, it just looks cooler. I don't know. Right, you didn't want it to become iOS in terms of right. functionality. That's what you that's what Well, and we saw that with Windows and Windows 8. They said, well, we want full-screen apps, emulate that tablet or phone experience, and we learned that's not what people want. And I think yeah. Mac was smart to say, we're going to take the best parts of iOS and put them in a way that makes sense on a desktop. Yeah. And that is 100% the absolute right way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I think this is clearly still a desktop operating system. Like, it's not optimized for other weird cases that people aren't using it for. Um, and I like that. I like that. I'm excited. It looks beautiful. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about a few other built-in features you get. Uh, Notification Center sidebar gets a visual makeover, very similar to the Notification Center on iOS when you swipe down, uh, including the Today view, which is now added to it, um, seeing things like calendar events, reminder, and the weather. And now you can add third-party widgets and apps from the Mac App Store to uh, your Notification Center, which I know, Dan, you said this was a big deal for you. You're a big fan of the Today view. Yeah, I use it today, View. I only use it once a day. Uh, <laughs> when I wake <laughs> up, I use it to see when I actually have to be in work by, which hasn't been a problem in the past few days because I'm 
And I've been asking everyone this, what is the opposite of jet lag? Jet lag has like a negative connotation, but I'm waking up at 6.30 in the morning every morning and I feel very responsible. But, but <laughs> when I wasn't doing that, whatever the word for that is, I know I would check it to see when I actually had to be in work. Um, and you get the weather, you kind of get it all in one spot, all things I need to know at least. And there's, in that slide they always have where they say, oh, here's all the stuff that's also in there that we didn't even have time to talk about because we're so amazing. One of the things was, uh, seemed Clap. to be Google Now style uh, commute thing. So like at this time, it will take you X long to get to work, which would really complete the today view for me, I think. Well, if it can do transit directions, which we didn't hear about actually. No, true. we heard almost yeah, nothing about Apple Maps. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Go ahead, Colby. Yeah, I don't... I... So, the other... A couple weeks ago, I, like, opened the notification center on my Mac for the first time in a long time to find, like, four months' worth of not unread <laughs> notifications that, like... I never looked at and never planned to look at, and I just turned off all the notifications at, like notification center for all my notifications. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know. I just don't use it on my Mac. It's just. Do you? Do you? Do you, Dan? I use it at work, um, do you? way more than I do here. Because if I step away from my desk and I get an RSC notification. That's pretty much all I use it for, actually. See, or what? a calendar thing pops up that I didn't expect. I can see it all there, and I do check it and clear it out at work. But all the ones I get at home, I don't care about. In fact, I just went in and cleared them out, and I, you know, I either yeah. check my email or I don't. I don't. Right. I'm not gonna look when I <laughs> get a pop-up thing. I'm just gonna ignore it. Yeah. See what what I did is I like so for I do the same thing for IRC. Um, but my problem was that, like, even if it went into Notification Center, I still wouldn't see it. Um, so I made them, like, the pop-ups that I had to dismiss, like, I have to actually click on it to make it go away if someone mentions me. But know. you, when you lock your screen, you don't get the notifications on the lock screen while you're unlocking the computer? I do. Okay, um, so that solves that problem for me. Because I don't, I don't want to dismiss it if I'm sitting at the computer, I'll see it, but if I'm away, it keeps them all. I see. I think maybe part of the problem is that I ignore things when they pop up in my face. So like, Well, well I read them. You don't read them? You don't read and choose to ignore? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> Sometimes I'm, like, wired in. Yeah. Zoned in is the word I use to describe that. Yeah. Well, and there's certainly a lot of other updates to notifications, as we'll talk about in a minute, but let's continue on here. Uh, if you're familiar with the tool Alfred, uh, you may not need it anymore because there's a big update to spotlight the search functionality in macOS, um, which creates a new search field big in the middle of the screen, and from there, uh, it does predictive typing just for a few letters. Not only can you browse local documents, uh, but it searches everything from Wikipedia to Apple Maps to contacts events, all within this tool. Um, any thoughts or opinions on that? 
Uh, I mean, Alfred still does way more. You can make your own commands in Alfred. You can do those crazy workflow things. So I imagine I'll still use Alfred, but maybe, we'll see. Maybe I won't. Well, and uh, I, I, you'll just get a lot more common people who've never heard of Alfred and don't use Spotlight. I think then it's getting them more to use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think. I mean, go ahead. It's really great. You know, you see. Uh, it's kind of like when you see someone Google for Google and then do the Google search. Like they type Google into the Chrome thing and then they click on you know when people use the mouse to find things on a desktop computer is the same reaction for me. I'm like, what are you doing? You've got the search thing and you can open any app right from the search thing and if then you can get Alfred and you can just do everything without having to touch the mouse at all. It's like just stop touching it. So yeah, I I really like that they did this. I wouldn't have thought that uh, they would ever do something like that. I it is uh, kind of complicated. It does a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It certainly does. It's also like pretty out of the way, though. Like it's hard to just if if you're not looking for it. I think it's kind of hard to stumble across it. Now, did they get that's rid of the hourglass? No, they didn't. Okay. Or not the hourglass, the uh, magnifying glass. Yeah, I think it would be cool if they did something to like call it out for people. Like, hey, hit command space, and yeah. you can just go with stuff. Yeah, because I, I don't like it's not a hard thing to understand. It's just a matter of like knowing it's there. Well, let me ask you guys, because uh, I'm not a Mac owner, when you update to the next version, uh, like when you went to Mavericks or whatever, does Apple do any kind of tutorial or walkthrough or anything like that for users? Uh, yeah. Yes. I think so. Okay. I specifically remember the uh, when they switched the scrolling direction, there was one for that. Oh, yeah. I, I think they have a thing. Right when you install, though, not live on the desktop, you get, like, a slideshow sort of thing. Right. Because I, I think that would be the perfect place to introduce a feature like that. Yeah. And I wonder I wonder how many people use Spotlight. I feel like not many people actually use it. No. And well, you know, and, and I'll give I, people, Dan, I, you know, I never, when you said people using the mouse is like people going to Google in the, you know, in your URL bar. I never thought of it that way, but you know what? You're exactly right. And I see people all the time. Windows is the same way. If you're on Windows 7 and you have the start menu, all you have to do is open the start menu and start typing. Right, you can even right, get Windows right. key and start typing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and no one knows you can do that. Yeah. It's such a great feature, and the fact that people don't know about it is kind of disappointing. So uh, I, I think it will be interesting to see if it gets any kind of adoption or more adoption than what it sees today. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Safari, everyone's favorite web browser they don't use. Um, it would... Uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll go down the list here because there's a whole bunch of things they added. Um, first and foremost, the address bar at the top uh, is smaller and they've centered it. Uh, the address bar is also smarter and can suggest relevant Wikipedia articles based on what you type in, uh, similar to what we were talking about in Spotlight. Uh, I know, shocking. Uh, Safari now has a share button similar to that to iOS, which allows you to uh, send it to apps, do various things with it, send it to recent contacts automatically. Um... It's also multiple tabs that extend beyond the browser window now let you scroll through them horizontally. Um, 
And the most dramatic new feature is Tab View, which is a button which provides you a bird's eye view of all open tabs, uh, similar to the multi-tab view in mobile Safari, just giving you a better visual representation if you're one of those people who have 30 ads open at any given time. So looking looking at the, the Safari screenshots, one thing I really like, I mean, I guess this is true of pretty much everything, but one thing I, I no just noticed is that, like, I'm really into the like slim, slimmer like Chrome mm -hmm. type thing they got going on. Like, what it what it doesn't show what, what it looks like with tabs there though. Oh yeah, you're right. Maybe it looks bad with tabs. But one thing <laughs> I always think about like there are certain apps that just have like huge ugly gray like control bars at the top. Uh, and I think Safari is historically is one of those apps because of the tabs, um, and it just looks pretty. Yeah, clammy. even Safari right now without tabs looks pretty good. But as soon as you open a new tab, it pops this giant extra pixel space down there. Yep, yep. Well, we'll see. We'll see what this one's like. I guess once we actually use it. And I, I, I don't think we talked about it on this show. But, Colby, did you read the article a couple weeks ago that was written by an Apple person that did the new uh, Safari JavaScript stuff? No. The thing about the LLVM Yeah, stuff? yeah, yeah. Yeah. I didn't read it. I, I mean, right. I heard about it. But... Yeah. It's faster. Like, it <laughs> actually is. So, that's pretty Thanks. exciting. Yeah, I can't wait for some real-world side-by-sides with these various browsers on Mac. Yeah, uh, and see if they actually get that uh, speed and response. Give it a try. I, you know, that's how most of this stuff works. You give it a try at least once, right? Yeah. Um, except, yeah. So wait, <laughs> that's still a thing. Oh yeah, they switched to the same rendering engine that Safari uses, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, they switched to WebKit. Yeah. So mm -hmm. not as exciting, not as interesting as it used to be. Well, when you talk yeah, about Less broken. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you talk about exciting and sometimes broken, let's talk about Apple Mail. Uh, the app built in Apple Mail app now has also an update. Um, they're saying uh, Markup is a new built-in editor for image attachments. Uh, right in the Mail app, you can use uh, text shapes. You can write on them, do arrows, magnifying glasses. And then what it will do is take and save that directly to the image. Uh, and burn it into the image uh, automatically. What they've also introduced is something called MailDrop, which is a feature that lets you store attachments up to 5 gigabytes in size in iClouds and send recipients a link to download it if you're a Mac user. That'll happen automatically if you're on a Windows or other machine. Uh, you'll get a link to download it, uh, similar to what services like Google Drive uh, does now in Gmail. Yeah, I wanted that in... Um... What was the other thing? We talked about it during the live stream, that we wanted the the markdown. Oh, uh, like in Safari and things like that. But, yeah. But what's confusing to me is I saw, I don't want see if I can find them on the Apple site, but I've actually seen screen grabs of, someone somewhere claimed you could do it in Safari. I haven't seen any images that support that. Um, and they didn't Maybe say they just it. are replacing the default screenshot Terrible screenshot taking thing in OS 10. 
It, it's that would be great. It's possible, and I hope they do, because I thought that was such a great feature to implement uh, system-wide. Yeah. This the, doing, like... The markup. Yep, yeah, writing on images and things like that. Like there when they were talking about this, Colby? Is this the... I think I saw this. Is this this is the thing where you can like annotate your emails, right? Yeah, right on the images. Yeah, and like yeah. I said on the the stream, like imagine like Facebook or Snapchat or something like that. Uh, well, not Snapchat, but like if you're on the Facebook website and you want to quickly doodle something and send it right back, being able to do it in Safari easily automatically, I think is an excellent feature. I'd hate to see it just in mail. Yeah, that's true. I would like it for like. You mentioned screenshots. Like, it worked, you know, like, when something's wrong and I need to tell someone, it's much easier to take a screenshot and, like, put an arrow, like, look, it's broken. Um, but that's, like, really hard to do now. I have to, like, take a screenshot and then open Photoshop and then, like, do that. It takes a long time. This is what I want. This is, I want that everywhere. It's a cool feature. And another example of Apple taking a particularly uh, convoluted problem and making a simple solution. Uh, hopefully we'll see it more widely spread throughout the device operating system. Uh, let's talk about iCloud Drive, their cloud solution for all your files. Um, it is an open file sharing, similar to your Dropbox and your Google Drive of the world. Um, the files you put in there, they can be of any type. It will sync across uh, not just your Macs, but also your iOS devices and Windows as well. Uh, an interesting thing to point out. Um, I'm actually going to skip ahead because they spaced out some of the information on iCloud Drive. Um, spaced it out? Well, they talked about how iCloud Drive fully integrated into iOS 8, allowing you to open documents from one app inside of another com uh, compatible app. Um, if you edit photos, they'll automatically sync up to your uh, iCloud Cloud Drive. Um, and I wanted to note that you get 5 gigabytes free to start. Beyond that, it is 20 gigabytes for 99 cents well, a month. that's the same as you have with iCloud today. You don't get 5 gigabytes extra. Right, right. But the, I think the paid yeah. tiers are a little different than what's available now. Okay. 20 gigabytes for 99 cents a month, 200 gigabytes for 3.99 a month, and they said they will go up to a terabyte at a higher cost. It wasn't quoted, and they said the functionality won't make its way until uh, on... Uh, no, this is for a different thing. Um, so there's your prices, very much in line with what Google's offering. Dropbox still uh, is hanging on to their little pricier uh, storage options. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. You know, one thing I did want to mention, we talked about this on the live stream, was uh, I think when it comes to cloud service providers, at least for me personally, uh, a big deal is trust. You know, I need... Dropbox, for example, to have every file there every time when I need it. It can't go down. It can't be the wrong version. It's got to be right every time. But I think, especially with iCloud and before that, uh, their, what was it, the me, me.com, and they were doing that. and uh, Mobile me. Mobile me, iDisk, whatever, before that. They've proven time and time again that they're not entirely reliable. Sometimes things don't sync right. It's not always available everywhere. And I just question, can users really trust Apple to be their central place for all their files when they don't have a reputation like a Google does. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like there is a very large percentage of people who are not us 
I have no idea and couldn't care less and like well will be frustrated for one way or the other like I don't know you know they'll like, start to care when their stuff stops working that's true but like what are they gonna do about it nothing <laughs> <laughs> No, you're right, and certainly, you know, if you're if you have only a Mac and iOS devices, I mean, it is a built-in solution. Uh, so you do get the advantage there, uh, and including the fact that it does sync with Windows, which is interesting. That's cool. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like, it's pretty pretty reasonable. At some point, these companies have to give in to the fact that other people use other types of devices. I'm sorry, Apple. Yeah. People yeah. have Windows computers. Notice they didn't say an Android app, though. Nope. That's it. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I would be happy once there's, like, iMessage for Android. That oh, that may be a cold day in hell before that happens. That's bullshit. I agree, <laughs> but I don't think... I don't think they do it. I don't know. I feel like they would immediately be a huge messaging, like, a huge player in in mobile messaging if they did that i agree like just immediately. but it doesn't maybe they don't want that well i was going to say how does that make the money i guess it doesn't all they're really going to do is sell android phones they can you know? get acquired by facebook oh. yeah. <laughs> i think it goes the other way around dan um let's uh continue on and highlight potentially my favorite set of features in the whole announcement what apple calls continuity um, and it's this idea of bringing your mobile devices and desktop even closer. Uh, there are, what, four different features included in this continuity initiative, beginning with handoff. Uh, it's a new feature in OS X that allows you to share work across devices. For example, let's say you're on your desktop working on a document in numbers. Uh, knowing that your phone is near your computer, if you look at, say, your iPad, it'll say right on there, we know you're working in numbers, you can swipe up and you'll pick up where you were on your Mac, immediately on your iPad. And it goes the same way around. If you're composing an email on your iPhone and you walk up to your computer, your computer will pop up and say, continue email from iPhone. You can click it and right away, it's synced. Uh, another feature is AirDrop. We've had this uh, since iOS 7. Between iOS devices, now you can AirDrop files uh, between mobile devices and Macs, which I think is kind of a, an obvious uh evolution of that feature uh and there was quite a big cheer in the crowd when well, they announced that but it didn't make any sense when ios didn't have a file system and i'll point out that it still doesn't but it kind of does and your file system is in the cloud so right the file what do they call it again airdrop no no, no the uh the new I thing icloud drive is your file system and you can treat it as if it were a file system, but it's not exactly the same. So then my, my guess is, then why do you need AirDrop? If, if all your files, assuming, are in the drive or easily put in the drive and then automatically synced, why would you need AirDrop? I guess it would be... So you, take, AirDrop lets you send things to other people. Okay. Yeah, and also, if you have files on your Mac that aren't in AirDrop and you just want to send them over... Okay. No, 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 that, that makes sense. And, and I didn't think of sending it to, like, if you and I wanted to share a contact or, or a quick file or something, you obviously couldn't 
I mean, you could email it to me, but I guess this makes more sense. Yeah. Eardrop's also good for sending big files that, like, take a long time to upload. Like, like a picture is easy, but, you know, if you have to send, like... I f- <laughs> for example, an episode of Game of Thrones, I feel like that <laughs> that was our use case while we were still at Mary's. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what we used Eardrop for. <laughs> and it's so fast because it's not... I guess it is over Wi-Fi, right? But it's is it Wi-Fi direct? Right. It's like peer to peer on the Wi-Fi. Right. Network. So you are you get super high bandwidth because you're not even limited by the kind of router. It's just like if you have a new AC, two new AC laptops, you're gonna do like multi gigabits per second, which is incredible. Yeah, that's that's, that's as good awesome. as you could get with like the best Ethernet or like. Thunderbolt connection. Maybe not the best Thunderbolt connection, but the best you could probably afford. <laughs> uh, in continuity, they also talked about a feature called Instant Hotspot. Uh, Yosemite will automatically find your phone and allow you to start using uh, your cellular connection as a Wi-Fi hotspot with just a couple of clicks. This, of course, depends on your carrier, so probably not. But uh, no, that is a feature. Unless you have T-Mobile. Uh, and it's interesting, I'll quickly mention, uh, they didn't talk about this in the announcement itself, but um, you will now be able to make Wi-Fi calls from your iPhone um, to actual phone numbers. So you could do Wi-Fi calls with FaceTime audio, but now you'll be able to do actual uh, Wi-Fi cellular calls, although I guess that's kind of an oxymoron. But... Uh, T-Mobile is the only uh, carrier who has announced support for that. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. really exciting. I, and I, I, the we have we talked touched on the sending receive from the laptop yet? Uh, the phone calls and SMS. Yeah, we haven't. That's the next thing we're going to talk about. Oh, okay. So lead us but into that. Probably was going to say something about this, so he should say. Uh oh, I was just going to say that like. It, I would really like to have this, like, on my phone because I tether, like, every single day on the bus and it's really yeah. annoying because it's, like, buried in the settings on Android. And I tried to, like... I tried to get, like, some home screen widget to do it and, like, it works fine for turning it on, but then when it, once it turns it off, it doesn't reset the settings right, so you have to go in and, like, return on your Wi-Fi. It's super annoying. Um, so yeah, this is what I want. I want it to turn on when I open my computer and turn off as soon as I close it, because like, yeah, and it's like, and then like, cause that. that, that's the other thing. I always forget to turn off the tethering, and then my battery's dead because it's been like, I don't know, being an asshole for. <laughs> that part. So yeah, you yeah, always did have that problem. <laughs> being an asshole. Yeah, <laughs> no, 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 no. The battery problem, but maybe that too. Yeah. Well, story of my life. Well, you know, and we'll continue on to a, a big uh, feature that got a lot of applause, and that was uh, integration of SMS into iMessage. So what that means is, say you're on an iPad on Wi-Fi only, and you receive a message from an SMS on your iPhone. Well, normally it wouldn't sync that. It would only sync iMessages. Well, now it's going to sync your SMS. You'll also be able to send SMS from non-cellular devices as it's relayed through your cellular. So on my iPad, for example, I could type an SMS to a phone number. It would ping it to my iPhone, which would then use the cellular network to send it out. Um, 
You can also send and receive phone calls from your Macintosh computer as well. Which... Uh, what? Which what? Go ahead. Uh, no, and we'll, we'll talk about other updates to iMessage and iOS 8 in a minute, but I just think that iMessage is such a diamond in the rough and such a huge potential for Apple. Uh, when you talk about Facebook acquiring WhatsApp for $16 billion, it tells you how important messaging is. And as you read these stories about people who lose SMS or get SMS sent to the wrong people or get trapped in uh, group texts and all these problems with SMS, it is so good to see Apple addressing the problem and adding features. And I used to have, back when I had an Android phone, I had a, a Chrome plugin that would forward from Android my SMS to my Chrome browser and I could respond in browser and send it out. And I loved that. It was such a great feature. And I, I am really impressed to see that they took the extra step to not just do iMessages, but also do SMS through your computer and your other devices. Yeah, I think, uh, if I'm recalling correctly, the last update I got for some of the Motorola software, like they have a thing that does that now, um, which is kind of moot because I don't really use, I don't really text anyone except my mom. I use like Messenger now, I guess. Um, but, I don't know, man. I want all this stuff. <laughs> it's yeah, so I bad. Want receiving calls on your yeah. on your Mac and all the text is. I feel like. Awesome. I feel like Apple. Like, if this if this is not all BS, right? I feel like. Um, Apple is the closest to, like, the unified, like, this is almost the the dream of having one thing that you take with you and just sit down at the computer yeah. and air. Like, you don't have to context, like, device It does the context switch for you. When you sit yes. down and you're writing an email, it, like, the, the dock bounces and... It says you should continue writing. You can continue writing this message in the mail app on here with an actual physical keyboard. Yeah, that's what I want. I, I, I hope it I, does it with Safari too. So if you're looking at something on Safari on your phone, you're like, oh, it's actually like a really long like thing. I want to read this on my desktop on my iPad. I yep. hope there's a little bounce thing. Well, it kind of already has that when it says. These are the well. Chrome has that when it says these are the tabs open on your other devices. I don't know if Safari has that. Well, we'll talk about all the new developer stuff, but I wouldn't be surprised to see that opened up to even third-party apps. Yeah, that'd be as great. well. You're listening to a song on Spotify, or your uh, any number of things get automatically translated. You know, and I think for me anyway, and I, I want to talk about this on the show. One of the biggest takeaways was just as Colby said, the fact that. For the longest time, Microsoft had this idea you would have one device. But what they didn't realize is you can have many devices. They just have to act as one device. Mm. And it's mm -hmm. and again, people said, oh, one day they'll merge iOS and macOS into one operating system. Well, that doesn't make sense. But if you take the as best aspects of both and cross-pollinate, you're going to create two similar yet different operating systems. And, and that was why this announcement was so exciting for me was that it, something clicked. Something in my head finally said, this is the way it is done properly. This is, why aren't my devices doing this now? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, there, 
they're they're respecting the fact that these are all different things, but making them work together really fucking well. Yeah. Yeah, and that's been the biggest missing piece of the puzzle for Google and Microsoft and all these companies is how do we bring mobile and desktop together? Because it's always bothered me when they said these companies have ecosystems. Because they really don't. They just have a lot of products in a lot of categories. It's not right. really an ecosystem because they don't talk well to each other. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, I feel like Apple is the only company that really has has an an ecosystem, like yeah. outside of one vertical, one like form factor. Yeah, you know I think I- Google could have an ecosystem if anyone bought Google tablets. <laughs> Android tablet tablets, you know. It's true. They no, they do have great syncing and, and great things like that, but. But uh, it, even that pales in comparison to this. Well, and a lot of this is automatic. To me. Like, the automatic they, part, the fact that it knows yeah. when your phone is near your laptop and will automatically do it. You know, it will automatically forward your messages. That's the amazing thing to me. Yeah. Like, that's like almost magic. I don't even know how the fuck they do that. You know, yeah. it, it's so cool. I mean, there's, it could be Wi-Fi. It could be Bluetooth. Uh, I beacon even. You know what? I bet that is what it is. I bet every MacBook becomes a uh, an, eye an beacon. Eye beacon. Yeah, that's definitely what happens. Yeah, so that's that's incredible. Um, I'd love to dwell on that, but my goodness, we're already um, thirty six minutes in, and we haven't even hit uh, two thirds of it. So we gotta hustle through this. iOS eight. We're going long tonight, people. Uh, Set your clocks. iOS 8, uh, a big feature I thought was excellent, interactive notifications. Android's been doing this for years. People have been begging Apple to bring it in. Uh, So now interactive notifications. Uh, Things include uh, responding to text immediately, accepting uh, calendar invitations. There's also third-party plugins. They showed a great concept, which I liked, was a Facebook notification. You could one-click to comment or like. Um... And third-party widgets have also been included in Notification Center, similar to as we talked about on Yosemite, for things like sports score, auction updates, and all that right on your Today View. Uh, on the swipe down, to me, an absolute no-brainer and a very welcome uh, update. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I don't know. Everything seemed, most of that stuff seemed pretty, like, playing catch-up. Like, like, yeah, we got to do this because this is what phones do now. Um, and it's nice. Like, that's a, it is not. It is a. It's probably something I've come to take for granted on Android is that I can just there at least for certain things like calendar stuff I can do from the notification center. Um, there are certain like certain apps like like the calendar app which I just like toss away like I don't even have a, a shortcut to it because I never need to open the app I don't I don't know if that's good for app developers or bad but that's that's the case for um, iOS no on Android oh, oh, oh okay yeah I, I I was just speaking to like having used things like that right before. okay Yeah, I've never really felt the need for it, uh, but maybe it's cool. I've never really used the Android. I moved out of Android before they had that, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's not like... I don't think it it would be a deal-breaker for me either way, but like, given that I have it, I certainly use it once in a while. Mm-hmm. 
Well, and I think it's going to be good for specific use cases. Like, I think for myself, I know you guys aren't big notification guys. I get every, I don't get a lot of emails, so every email I get does, it doesn't vibrate, but it does show up. And to be able to one-click delete or one-click archive from the lock screen without having to even open the phone, to me, is a great feature. The The less steps I have to get through, the better. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Fair enough, Sean. Uh, and we'll have, to, we'll have to see how that goes. I'm going to combine the next two features into something quick. Spotlight's been updated on iOS. Um, previously, it was just apps and contacts and things like that. Now it will show you things from movies and songs available on iTunes directly for purchase, uh, movie showtimes at nearby theaters, Wikipedia articles, map entries, similar to what we see in Yosemite. Uh, it's also, uh, Apple has a new keyboard. It's a predictive keyboard. Uh, this has also been uh, wanted for some time. Smarter it's basically audio- Swift key. It is basically Android, Swift right? key. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you're not, again, Apple playing catch up. You're not wrong. Uh, it uses a feature called Quick Type to suggest words and phrases based upon uh, a number of things, including who you're talking to, the history of, of what you've written, and learning your typing habits. Mm-hmm. Um and also, now you'll be able to install and use third-party keyboards across your iOS devices. Yeah, and they it was funny because they did the new keyboard first, and then it was several segments later when they're like, oh yeah, and by the way, anyone can uh, sell a keyboard on the App Store now. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll quickly ask you guys this. Do you think anyone is going to actually, outside of power users, do you think the average user is going to download keyboards off the App Store? I don't Define average user. Okay. Um, I, I know people who aren't techie programmers who download their own keyboards on Android. Okay. Well, that, that answers my, you know, the, the, the anywhere from the mom demographic to the sort of... See, I like think college Android... students, I think, would download their own keyboards. I think so. I think Android is different though because the stock keyboards on Android are pretty terrible. Like, I mean, the, the Google keyboard is is fine. I that's I use the Google keyboard, but like the Samsung keyboard, holy fucking shit! Like, <laughs> it's, face. it's terrible. Oh, Samsung! It's just ridiculous. Um, so like. I think there's a different a different reason to do it. Whereas I I mean I still really like I like the iOS keyboard. Like it's I don't know why I can't I I can't <laughs> like I can't wrap my brain around why it's I like it. I can type better on it, but I just can't. It, and... it just works better. Yeah, like so I many mean... other things in iOS, it just just something. The edges are a little more forgiving, or I don't know what it is. But yeah, it's really easy to learn how to type on well. Yeah, and I, you know, I definitely think there's a market for third-party keyboards, but um, to me, this seems like a move for Apple to bring back Android people. You know, because there are some people who will not live without Swipe or without SwiftKey, and if and if adding that keyboard means someone will buy an iPhone instead of an Android, they'll do it. I think really that's what it's about. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about iMessages. We talked about the Mac OS side. Let's talk about the iOS side. Now, quick audio and video messages. Uh, you can send short little audio clips and, uh, video clips as well. Self-destructing messages, (coughs) Snapchat, 
and uh, temporary location sharing where you can set up for a period of time to have it let your friends know where you are. Uh, it's also getting a lot more flexibility in group messaging, uh, creating named threads, the ability to add and remove people, uh, to mute uh, threads, and, uh, and things of that nature, which I think, again, are all things other apps have done and are very welcome additions. Yeah, it's like... Man, I just can't get it, like, for one, this this all seems really cool, like, it seems like, you know, all of a sudden, like, iMessage, in addition to being the thing that everyone uses on their iPhone, is cool. <laughs> like, it's, it seems fun to use. Uh, well, and I can't, like, if, I don't know, I don't, it just blows my, like, if they release an Android one, they'd kill it. They absolutely, well, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I, like you said before, like I don't. There's no reason they may, they would want to. Like maybe it's better to like have that enticing you to go to iPhone rather than. But you know, I'll, I'll play the other side of that. People said for years, why would Microsoft release Office for iPad? You know, that's true. And yeah. I think it's getting people interested in the ecosystem. And of course, you pay for Office, so th there's a big difference. But. Um, <laughs> You know, to, to me, I think Facebook Messenger has been so successful, A, of course, because of the social network behind it, the fact your friends are already there, but I also think it's uh, the features and the ability to have flexible group messaging and easy messaging and a good app and things like that, and um, I, I'm interested to see if this takes share away from something like Facebook Messenger, because I really think that's who they're competing against. Yeah, oh no, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, like... Facebook, they, they've put a lot of effort into Facebook Messenger. Like, that's been a huge thing for a very long time. Um, and that's like, I, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like this is, a, this is a legitimate, like, other option for it. Like, I mean, Facebook Messenger has gotten really great the last, the, over the last few months. But this looks really good, too. So, I don't know see what happens uh let's talk about health kit uh the the much rumored uh health kit <laughs> colby doesn't sound very interested uh an app for tracking your personal health and fitness data uh an easy to access hub where you can monitor things like uh your health uh on a daily basis and you can examine trends over a period of time it will also integrate with third-party apps including things like nike and the mayo clinic they put up a slide with all the different uh health providers they're partnering with most of these features require you to have a third-party accessory for things, say, like blood pressure um, and things of that nature. Uh, are we Did, did HealthKit get our, our juices flowing, or is it more just a, a proof of concept? I like that. So, Colby, what was that thing that you picked a couple weeks ago? Existio? Yeah, Exist yeah. Yeah, Existio. I have always wanted something like this where... You know, my Fitbit has a nice scale, but maybe I prefer the Jawbone uh, activity tracker, and you yeah. know, maybe there's like a cool sleeping thing, you know. But I don't want to worry about matching all to the same company. So I'm glad that it wasn't just you know the startups are great, but I'm glad that some other company recognized that need and made something. I don't know if it'll be successful, but hopefully it opens the way for more stuff like this. Uh, hopefully yeah. it means that these companies will be more open to working with one another, because I think that's the only way any of this wearable stuff is going to take off. 
Yeah. And it, I mean, if Apple, of all people, is the first one to be like, yeah, let's all share our stuff, that's like, oh, okay. I mean, this, this, realistically, though, this is Apple like, hey, guys, let's let us use your stuff to uh, to sell more phones. Sure. Um, but, yeah, no, I see your point. I mean, it looks kind of nice. I don't know. It, I mean, to be honest, it seems like another icon in the default set of Apple icons that I can't delete. <laughs> very reminiscent of Passbook and things of those nature. I, yeah. I, I feel like, you. And like Passbook, like you'd use it once in a while, but not all the time. I, I think what's interesting is, you know, there's really two groups of people. There are people who are legitimately ill, who have illnesses and diseases, and who do check their blood pressure every day, and who are diabetic and have to track their blood. For them, I think this is a good way to track those things, communicate with their doctors, do it easily, automatically. For fo young people like us who are pretty generally healthy, I don't know where this really fits in. You know, mm -hmm. I I do like, you know, they have a feature like the uh, emergency card with your uh, medical history and the medications you take, you can access from the lock screen, which is really big for people who are on a lot of medications and allergies and things like that. Um, yeah, that's, that's kind of cool. Like, I, it, so I will say that the, I'm sure there are other apps doing this, but I... I I think the the more serious aspects that it seems to be addressing are kind of interesting, like the the communicating with your doctor and things. Um, that's so. I I think that's kind of neat. Uh, again, I think it's really reminiscent of of Passbook, where two or three years from now, it's either going to be a massive disaster no one uses, or the greatest thing since sliced bread. You know, I feel like it's way too early to tell. It, it's really a proof of concept right now. Fair enough. Um, but I'll be excited to see it, and if any company can do it, it's Apple is one of the few. So, um, Let's talk family sharing, a new feature that will let up to six members of a family share iTunes purchases across devices, assuming they're all linked to the same credit card. Uh, it also allows sharing of calendars, reminders, photos, and find my friend's location. Parents can also approve or deny purchases uh, made on their children's devices. Uh, this is in response to kids who racked up thousands of dollars on in-app purchases in games, um, giving parents more featured. Again, this is a feature people have been asking about for a long time, especially sharing things like iTunes, music, movies, and television uh, within the same household, and also for the uh, parents' approval of things. So uh, I think that's a, a big thing for families looking to get devices. I know a lot of them probably would have been swayed by Android's cheap prices if you have to get a couple phones for a family. Um, but I think a feature like this is a big advantage to them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, it seems cool. It seems legit. I like. I think the photo sharing is kind of cool. I feel, in a way. I, yeah. I, I, I always wonder how many people actually use the Apple photo sharing stuff, but. What the photo stream? Yeah. Well, I mean, you can like. You can make it public and share it with contacts and things like that. But again, you have to... a lot of people with families use it within the family. Like, I know yeah. people who have the Apple TV and the, like, you can Ooh, load yeah. up your photo stream on the Apple TV and you're showing, you know, oh, this is our vacation or this is we went to the park with little Johnny. And that's really great. 
But I'll also say a lot of those people may not have Apple devices, and those are the people who use Facebook for all their photos. Or, or if they're a little more handy, a Flickr or something like that that's a little more universal. I think that's something uh, Apple is, I think, trying to be smarter about is, is knowing that they're in this silo. Yeah, is there is there a web interface for photos? Um, okay, while you're checking that, we'll talk about the brand new Photos app. Uh, the new Photos app in iOS 8 lets you view and edit images across your devices. So now when you edit a photo, it will save that photo uh, across all the devices it has it synced with uh, using awesome. your uh, iCloud drive. That's great. Yep, and uh, now you'll be able to make a... Do, apparently, and I didn't know you could, because I never edit photos uh, on iOS, but apparently if you edited a photo, you couldn't make a duplicate, like you had to overwrite the original. And I guess now you have the ability to make changes without editing the original. Yeah. Really what, I, what this really means, though, is that when I take offload photos from my phone, it's not a... Like, I offload way more photos from my phone than I do upload to Flickr or Facebook ever. Uh, so if I'm like, oh, yeah, like two weeks ago, I saw this crazy, you know, sidewalk art. Let me show it to you. And I'm like, oh, I just wiped off the photos from my phone last night. I'll email it to you. And then I never do. But this is great. Yeah. It actually I kind of obviates a pick that I was going to make today for picture life, uh, which does a very similar thing. Yeah, and you know, I'll point out, as a Windows user, it is really hard to get things from iCloud, such as your photos. Um, they have a control panel. It's really difficult to use, so I'm glad to see with the uh, Windows integration for iCloud Drive. Um, hopefully, it will be a better and easier way to get photos, because right now I have to upload them to Dropbox or, or Google Drive to, to easily get them on my machine. So. Right. For as as a Windows user, I I'm happy to see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Like oh, no idea. They do not make <laughs> it easy, and things just disappear, and they're just. I, I really hope that this helps iCloud because it's kind of just a pain. Yeah. Um, I, photos photo stream was always kind of cool, but like it was only around for thirty days, and like you had to like open iPhoto on your Mac, otherwise it wouldn't actually sync, and yeah, so. I agree. Sounds awesome. Let's talk about uh, the young lady, Siri. Uh, she's got some new tricks. Sh Shazam integration will let you ID any song uh, with uh, Siri. Uh, we'll talk in a little bit about the smart home framework series included in that. Uh, streaming voice recognition and improved language support. Uh, and perhaps one of the coolest features is when your phone is plugged into a charger, you'll be able to say, Hey Siri, and your phone will doot doot respond to you automatically, <laughs> similar to OK Google and Chrome and on select Android devices. So, uh, a very cool feature. I was thinking uh, an awesome use case for this is uh, in the car. You know, Apple has a CarPlay, but I can imagine my iPhone's always plugged in when I'm in the car in my mount, and it would be great if I got a text message to say, Hey Siri, it answers, and then I can send a voice message through the new iMessage without having to worry about it actually uh, translating my words into text. So um, I think that's really cool. That's one feature I cannot wait to play with. Nice. Um, unless you guys have any other thoughts on iOS 8, I should say before we get to developer stuff that uh, Mac OS 10 Yosemite is available for developers today. There will be an open beta this summer, uh, which you can sign up for on Apple's website. 
and the full release is expected in the fall, most likely alongside new hardware. iOS 8, again, beta available for developers now, and will be available in the fall, assuming alongside new iPhones and iPads. Sweet. Uh, how would you guys like to talk about some developer tools? Developers, developers, developers. developers. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, Steve, yeah, let's do it. And this is what bums me out when we do a whole episode about Apple. We can't talk about things like Steve Ballmer buying the Clippers, which I think is hilarious. But there's no time. I didn't know that. Well, I'll talk about that later because I don't understand why everyone's so fascinated with that. The I, other co-founder of Microsoft owns the Seahawks. He's not as flat. Uh, Paul Allen is not nearly as flashy as Steve Ballmer. And two billion is a big number. Business buying. If anything, we should be surprised that Paul Allen owns the Seahawks. No, he doesn't own the Seahawks. Doesn't he own the uh, the the, Son- the Supersonics or whatever the no, thing? He owns the Seahawks. Are you sure? Paul I... Allen was on the Super Bowl field. Oh well, smart. Paul Allen is much more quiet, and also two billion is a big number. That's the <laughs> thing. Se- Sixteen billion, though. That oh, that's true. <laughs> I, I'd rather own an NBA franchise than a messaging app, but that's another story. <laughs> um, why don't we start with the big one? And uh, thank goodness our don't program... give Facebook any ideas. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm sure get get a uh, franchise in Silicon Valley, right? Um, thank goodness you are here. The co-hosts of a programming podcast are here to tell us what the hell is Swift. Please yeah. explain. I know you've been looking at this. I have no idea what the heck it is. So as a layperson, what is Swift? So, oh my gosh, as a layperson, it's the, well, it's it's um, a programming language. I got programming that. language. It operates kind of on the same it speaks the same underlying language as the one you use to write iOS apps now, but it's nicer. So the advantage is it's more modern, like your your Rubies and your Pythons and your Goes and your Rusts and all that stuff, but it doesn't lose any of the ecosystem that has been built up around Objective-C stuff. So you can still call Objective-C libraries. You can still use all the Cocoa Touch stuff and Cocoa stuff on OS X. Um, that's the advantage for professional use, but I think the really cool thing is this playground stuff that they talked about, um, which is very light table-like, very Brett Victor-like. Colby, do you remember Brett Victor's... Did I ever show you Brett Victor's talk? Not the one where he goes back in time 50 years, but the one where he talks about his ideas about how computers should work. Oh, I'm not sure. I could be mixing... I do know light tape. So Brett Victor used to work at Apple, and he has since, after he left a couple years ago, done all these presentations about how programming should really be interactive and not so much back and forth. Like you should be able to write a program and see visually what the state of like the variables are, and you should be able to advance and reverse time and watch your variables change with the execution of the program, that stuff is really cool and really hard to do well. And I'm shocked that they did it. I'm shocked they made a new programming language at all. And you know, everyone was like, oh, 
Apple doesn't really care about the programming language. Objective-C is ugly, but it works, and it's stable, and it's fast, and who cares? Yeah. Um, just fascinating. I think that the people who say that are wrong... Uh, I feel like this this was, like, a huge surprise. Like, I yeah. don't... I don't. I mean, may, maybe I missed it, but like, I don't think there were any like rumors of this happening no. around. Right? No. Nope. Just. Yeah. I don't know. It's cool. I mean, one thing. So part of it, it pr- excites me because I've like tried to get into iOS before, and I just find Objective C really like unapproachable. Like it's weird as hell. Yeah. Um, which and like that, it being weird as hell combined with trying to learn how to iOS at the same time yeah. is is unfortunate. So like, right. Looking so one of the cool things I, about this is that if you do know how to iOS, you don't need to really learn how to iOS. You just need to learn the new programming language. It's, at the end of the day, learning a new programming language is much less difficult than learning a new way to draw a box on a screen. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you know, definitely. It'd, it'd be like it saying, Colby, you can keep JavaScript, but we're going to make a new markup and uh, presentation layer, a new CSS and a new HTML. That'll be I easy, mean, right? God damn it. No. <laughs> yeah. It's been um, four years learning how that shit works. <laughs> it's more appropriate. So Swift is supposed to be faster than Objective-C, and the reason for that is because it's smarter, it does more things for you, so it gives you less chance to screw something up and do something stupid, basically. That's kind Mm -hmm. of the tenet of all higher-level modern programming languages. Uh, If you do happen to know what you're doing, then it could be slower. But the number of people who actually know what they're doing in that level, I think, are rapidly approaching zero at this uh, at this point in history. I think the like I can share the Swift book while we're talking. Oh, cool! Yeah, I think to like to actually know what you're doing, even 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 if you're that good, like if you really understand. Objective C and and C and like what what this is turning into enough to like really write just write highly optimized code on the first pass. I mean, one I don't think that exists. Like you're gonna screw up sometimes or pretty frequently, and I think like to get really fast code, it like that takes you know multi many iterations, like over and over again to to really. Right. To get something yeah, no, awesome. Def- I think at the end of the day, it's definitely more uh, efficient, more productive. What did you right. think about the the Lightroom sort of stuff? I mean, I, I mean, I light thought table. It, Sorry. I light thought it was something really else that cool Apple the, Like, what are they? Well, oh, yeah, that's the playground thing. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought the. the sh- you know, they had the, the demo with the blimp thing, and they, they showed that, like, they have the graph of the inputs over time with the slider that you can go back and forth. Like, that seems yeah. really awesome. 
I don't know, like, I'd be interested to see how you use that for various app, like, for, in, in a practical sense, like, is this all, so I guess my question is, is this only useful for games? I think it's, well, no, it's useful for any native application. You can't really do this for web stuff, because web stuff is stateless. The request runs without any right. visual output and sends, generates some text and displays it. Like, that's not very interesting to use a slider with. But even if you were, I know this happens, uh, you're making a new uh, spinner for your iOS app animation. That's hand animated. There's You're not downloading a GIF. You're not playing a movie. You're animating those circles by hand. And that sort of work happens all the time in native stuff. That's interesting. See, I didn't really know that because I've done almost no native. Well, so for example, Facebook open sourced the thing in uh, the paper app that uh, makes the letters shiny while the section is loading in. So whether it's like one of those cards or just the loading screen, the thing that kind of like makes this metallic sheen letters, they open source that because it turns out that they had to write it from scratch. And it probably right. would have been way easier to write it if you could like slowly inch frame by frame through and then see the state of all of those crazy variables that actually have no real life meaning except they just make you know, there's probably some some sun moving around that you can't even see that's, you know, and you're calculating the reflection on each of the bits of glass that don't actually exist. Uh, mm-hmm. It's crazy. So, I, yeah, I think this will... I'm really excited to play around with it. Thank God you're yeah. here to explain this. Oh, my God. <laughs> Did that make any sense? It, I mean, sort of. I mean, I, <laughs> I will say, for me... Looking at this playground thing for a split, for a split second, I said, that looks like something I could do. And then I realized, I don't know, but at least they... Yeah. That's why I'm so excited about it. This is the small talk Lisp dream and Apple, which, by the way, Objective C without C is what they said. That's actually called small talk, but... uh, This is that dream, the dream of the highly interactive computer where you're not writing text code, you're just tweaking a system uh, kind of more visually than anything else rather than writing code. This is like no other company embraced that besides like MIT and Stanford. Uh, So it's really exciting. Maybe this will become a thing. Maybe we'll finally move past the source code. Well, and that's the, the one question I did want to ask you guys was, I mean, obviously we know what Swift means for Apple. Developers are, it's going to be easier to make apps, they're going to make better apps, that's straightforward. But what does Swift mean for the industry as a whole? I mean, do you see this as going beyond Apple? Do you see this becoming something more than just what you use to build iOS apps? I mean, do you have any kind of prediction or thought on that? So I don't know if it's legal to use outside of iOS apps. I don't know. They didn't say. Uh, they yeah. did not say that it was open source. They didn't say that it wasn't. Um, so I don't know if you could use it, really. See, 
I would imagine that it will be open source one day. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I think... So, much like, for for example, that Facebook hack, like, like PHP language. Like, Facebook has been using hack for, for, I mean, a year and a half, two years now, internally. Um, but, you know, only just a couple of months ago, it got it to a point where they were like, okay, let's open source this. Um, so I, I, I would imagine it might be something like that. Like this will be a sort of beta thing. And like once they iron out the details, like obviously there will be many details to iron out in a, in a, a brand new programming language. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for now, I think the short term, I don't think it means very much for for the the, the greater computer ecosystem off of Mac. But like long term, like maybe it'll be great. I don't know. I, think I haven't the, had. I, I haven't read much like any like. Well, this was just announced like a few hours ago. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but you, like, I have you the can book open, down, but I can't share it. my window with a book in it. It doesn't show up in the list. Uh-huh, smart. But it's a Skype call. You'd think it's that copyright. Skype wouldn't care. They know. <laughs> Take a screenshot and then um, share. Well, you know, I'll share my screen with the window, the other screenshot. I told every uh, developer.apple.com has uh, all the information you need on Swift. Uh, let's move on. Let's talk about extensions, widgets, and inter-app communication. Again, another request uh, feature long requested in Apple, available on Android today. Well, it's finally coming to iOS um, with extensions allowing iOS apps to talk to one another. Um, right now, there's that sort of, they call it the action center or action window which is where you click on it allows you to share to Facebook or Twitter or send in an email or send to a printer. Uh, apps will now be able to write into that to allow you to interact with them. The example they showed there was Bing Translation and in Safari being able to click that in the Action Center and have your web page translated. They'll also be able to share uh, photo filters with the camera, um, widgets and Notification Center, all kinds of really great things allowing apps to uh, right into this so, uh, Pinterest sharing, which uh, isn't built into iOS, but can now be built by Pinterest as a third-party application, which I think is uh, very important because one area Apple has been severely lacking in uh, has been sharing between apps, which is can be really frustrating at times. Yeah, that's one of the only features <clears throat> from Android that I miss. Yeah, yeah. Um, this like. I'm interested to see how this, like, the extension stuff turned out, because I think it's, like, I think it's cool. Like, I like the idea of, or at, at least from what I saw of the demos and from what I'm looking at, it seems like, uh, like, it's not an entire context, which, like, you don't go to the new app, which, like, I like, in, in Android, I like that you can do it. But I, I find that in most cases, I'm not looking to, like, yeah. go into the new app. I just wanted to, like, you know, I just wanted to post this photo on Instagram and then go back to what I was doing. Like, if I was in the photo app looking at photos, like, and I wanted to post one, I probably want to go back to the photo app, not continue to Instagram or, some, or, or something. Right. Um, 
But yeah, so I think it might be really cool. Is yeah, it's all going to be about how developers use it. But I think just giving them the tools is a big step for Apple. And you know, when they said it's one of the biggest changes they've done since the App Store launch, uh, they weren't kidding. Um, and I think yeah. this this could absolutely change how people use the iPhone, depending on how developers use it. So it's very exciting. I'm sick of having to work around it. It's such a pain in the ass. Let's just do right. it. Uh, um, the final feature we're going to talk about, uh, HomeKit, iPhone, controlling your home, uh, smart devices, including garage door openers, lights, security cameras, locks, all that, uh, controllable, uh, using HomeKit, which is a uh, API SDK thingy, um, controllable through Siri, uh, you'll be able to set specific scenes, so for example, you could say get ready for bed and it would do four or five different things rather than just one. Uh, they're going to run a certification program for HomeKit uh, where partners will be, as time goes on, allowed to do it, sort of like they did with AirPlay and other standards of theirs. Um, current partners include things like um, Honeywell, iHome, Texas Instruments, uh, Y Things. There was a huge slide put up of all the companies that have so far cooperated. And, and I... <clears throat> I've seen these... Things come and go. No, you're right. You're right. What, what worries me is I hope it doesn't end up like AirPlay, where it's such a specific standard that now if Google wants to have Android controlling things, it now has to have a separate second standard. That's what I worry about. You know, because they said it's, it's not, they didn't say the word proprietary, but they said they're using a secure, unique connection method which is translated to we have our own proprietary thing that has to be Apple certified. This, this will only ever work with an iPhone. Right, and that's what bugs me. That's, that's what really gets at me and, and annoys me. I, I don't want to buy a light bulb, and then in the future when I decide to get an Android phone, it doesn't work with it. That's what I'm saying, and I hope that's not the case. I agree. Because AirPlay is a prime example of that, where you are so limited by what you can and cannot use... It's, it's kind of a shame. Yeah, it is. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I just, it just made me think of those, like, Philips changey color Wi-Fi light bulbs, and I want them. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, it's funny, I was actually... It's supposed to work on iOS and Android, right? Yes, but within the Philips app. Right, right. And that's, that's hopefully what they're avoiding. They, they also work with if this and that, though. That's true. That's true. Ift is one of the greatest things. I I will shout from the rooftops how much I love Ift. Um, yeah, so uh, obviously we didn't have time or really the interest to talk about every single thing they announced. We didn't talk about Metal, which is their new uh, game programming platform. We didn't talk about updates to the App Store, including uh, beta testing to users um, and app bundles. Uh, there's so much. You can go to apple.com for all the details. Uh, I do want to quickly note that, uh, as we said, most of these things are in beta today, being launched in the fall. No hardware was announced today. We're fully expecting all the hardware to be announced in either one or two events this fall. That falls right in line with what Apple traditionally does. So there's not a lot of surprise there. The other thing I wanted to mention was, Colby, I know you asked about this. iOS 8 is compatible with the iPhone 4S and forward, the iPad 2 and forward. And I feel like so they still have one non-retina device in there, then. 
Yep, the iPad 2, that's you are correct. Fascinating. And oh, the, and the original iPad Mini. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's kind of surprising. I thought they might have dropped those just to have the amount of... Uh, well, I think the iPad Mini is to. not that old. No, it's not. Even my Mini's not Retina, so... I think they're Basically, kind of stuck. they're doubling the size of all the assets on the operating system for two models out of, what, well, 10? And what's really interesting is, as people, they didn't say this in the announcement, but as people are digging into Swift and these new programming uh, coding tools, there's a new framework for better scalability for devices of different sizes, wink, wink, yeah, hint, yeah. hint, as we look at different sizes of iPhones. So um, yeah. that's why I think they're not as worried about it. Um, I kind of want to end today's show by maybe if we want to go around and just quickly pull out one thing. It can be a specific thing. It can be a broader thing. What we took away from today's announcement. And I'll give you time to think by going first. To me, the big takeaway was continuity. And this this Apple doing something so unique, because all companies are going to say, oh, we'll control your light bulbs and we'll track your health and We'll do where, you know, that's a lot of things, but this is the first thing from Apple in a long time I can say is truly unique and is very, seems anyway, to be well done. Again, we'll have to see how this works in the real world. But this ability to so seamlessly combine iOS and macOS makes me want to buy a Mac computer, which is, you know me, I am a diehard Windows guy. And what? I know, because that is something I so desperately want is this ability to quickly bounce between devices, to share SMS and phone calls between devices. I used to have that on my Android phone, and I miss it. It's such an important evolution in these devices, and I think Apple has 100% hit the nail on the head, and my jaw dropped when they announced these. So to me, Apple finally getting the ecosystem right and realizing other companies have made the mistake of smashing everything together, and instead they're creating open lines of communication between these devices. That is the key and the ticket, and I think that is, to me, one of the greatest things they announced. Uh, what, what about you guys? I yes. I was thinking the whole time that this is like very new Apple, just in the, oh, we'll let you install new keyboards, and we'll communicate between apps, and uh, you can put widgets in you can anyone can do a quick reply anyone can put widgets in the today thing and all that stuff uh yeah. and there are a bunch of instances of that so uh and i think it's all for the better i don't think maybe i guess that stuff wouldn't have happened if steve jobs were still around so. I, I was i was just about to say that i think apple's gone from a company of telling you what you want to letting you choose what you want. And that's a big, big change. I think it's the... Oh, and we hadn't even talked about the weed joke. <laughs> that was crucial. He was... That, he was Steve Jobs he was, would never uh, allow them to, sell a, to tell a weed joke. Craig Federici is, if he becomes CEO, I'll be the happiest man alive. Because <laughs> he is so hilarious. And they're not even that good at jokes. No, he's just so so. And he's got the hair. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. He was great. He he makes me look forward again. It's it's a different Apple. You would have never seen this a couple of years ago. Joking at these keynotes and doing these things. So, so I think um, I'm going to steal from both of you <laughs> and smush them together into one. I think 
I don't think we've actually seen a change in the Apple is tells you exactly what you want. Uh, like, I, I think like this all this stuff still works the Apple way, but like Sean said, it's open lines of communication, and that's like. Sure, that's between Macs and iPhones, but that's also between apps on the iPhone and, like, just in general, I feel like everywhere, everywhere, iCloud, everything, it's like, the, this whole keynote was, like, things working together better. Whether it's third-party apps on the iPhone working better together or your Mac and your iPhone working better together, or iCloud and your Photos app working better together. Um, and I think that's that's really awesome. That's crazy. Because that's like, that's some something that Apple is uniquely positioned to pull off. Yep. Um, because of their presence in both the phone, well, because because of their presence in all the phone, tablet, and desktop PC space. Um, nobody else can claim that in the same way. Obviously, some some companies are much more in one than Apple is, but not in all three. Like they don't have the the cohesive thing going on. So it's cool to see them like actually doing something with that, or at least it seems like they're actually doing something with that. We'll see. We'll see. I'm sure there will be some some bumps in the road, but we'll see once it once things are ironed out. Yeah, it's Apple is. I, I've always been afraid of the Apple world that they've always promised, and, and finally today they created an Apple world I want to live in. So it, it really was the icing on the cake. Every company has the cake, but man, Apple put that sweet icing that just covers everything in that nice glaze of pretty, and uh, it, it was it was really something. I'll end by uh, by asking you, Colby, on the feels scale, how did today's announcement feel? Did it feel feels good? Feels bad? How how, how did today's feel? Yeah, it, it feels pretty fucking good, I think. Whoa! Um, yeah, yeah, I'm excited. I'm bummed I bought an Android. Actually, I'm not. Ah, because I was just going to say, I, I was contemplating switching to Android, but after this, I was like... Yeah. See, I'm, I'm contemplating, like, buying the, the new iPhone when it comes out next... Yeah. Next... Now, the... the, uh, the or the, next winter. The big decision is Google I.O. in two weeks. Because immediately following that announcement, I promise all of us will be saying, Google's the greatest thing. I want to buy the new Android phone. Oh, my God. Can you? I always do that. I, how many times after an Apple announcement have I said, man, I got to go out and get a Mac? Oh, my God. This is the greatest thing. I've never heard you say that, actually. I have. You've, you've internalized What was it? There was something about with the Mac, maybe when they put in the Retina screen, or was something about the MacBook Air, and I was like, man, I really can't. When I was in for a laptop, I came this close to getting one right after an announcement. Um, but <laughs> it'll be interesting to see, and and I thank all of you out there for for joining us, not only on tonight's show, but today during the live stream. We had a lot of viewers. Uh, we really appreciated you joining us. We hope we gave you some good insight. And make sure you join us in the coming weeks. June is nonstop announcement month. We've got E3. We've got IO. We have got all the coverage uh, that you can handle. And we'll give it to you only as you can get it here on Dope Panic. Gentlemen, thank you for uh, being here today. I want to remind everybody that Colby and Dan are co-hosts of the amazing Change Mode podcast at coffeeandbeer.tv slash change mode. Uh, you're going to hate me for doing this, but uh, any teas for what's on this week's show? Uh, I, so I, I had an idea prompted by this this week's uh, keynote 
Um, we, what if we just did a show like on programming languages, like all of the, like as many as we can talk about in one show? <laughs> okay. I don't know. That's kind of nebulous, but it could be fun. But that's you know, nebulous is the best kind of tease. So it'll be something like that. It'll be something like that. That show is live <laughs> Wednesday night at. 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific at coffeeandbeer.tv. You should absolutely watch it. It's great. Uh, gentlemen, anything else before we wrap up? No. I don't think so, on, though. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to, like, be back in the swing of things after our, our kind of, like, travel holiday. Yeah, we, we had a couple funky weeks, but we're back in our regular schedule, and it feels good. One year of Don't Panic! Oh yeah! So another another year year um, memorandum. I like just got an email from our domain registrar that DontPanic.io renewed successfully. Yeah, so, we get to stay on the air. Year. Yes, that's that's good. So DontPanic.io is our website. You can go there; it still works. Um, and get all our episodes. And if you do want to see today's live stream with our commentary, uh, it is going to be put up in audio and video on our website in the next coming uh, next couple days. Keep an eye out for that. Um, it's it's why well, watch just the boring regular announcement. We can watch it and also listen to us talk about it. Right? Uh, that's that's added feature. We don't even charge extra. Uh, wow. Well, thanks everybody out there for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next Monday night at 10 p.m. Eastern for another edition of Don't Panic. But until then, I will say. Good night, and we promise no Apple news next week. Good night. <laughs>This show is brewed fresh weekly by the Coffee and Beer Podcast Network. Get all our shows at our website, coffeeandbeer.tv.